What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access, a TGIFF. Thank God it's Football Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Of course, glad to be with you as we go into a June weekend. Next weekend, wow, think about that. Next weekend, June 30th, turns into July 1st on Sunday, and that's the month of training camp. We're getting closer, people. We're getting closer. We're a little over a month out. I think, somewhere on that time frame. So getting excited about training camp. And so tonight, we will hear from another couple of players. Actually, three to be exact. Two current, one you know, one, well, maybe you don't know. And then we'll have another, where are they now, with my man Drew Doherty. So we will hear from those gentlemen a little later in the show. But we're going to kick off today's show with a little bit of news. And I love seeing this news Will Anderson Jr. is a Texan. I know you probably think, well, wait a second. Well, yeah, he got drafted, and of course he's a Texan. Well, he signed and made it official today. He is a Texan. Four years, fully guaranteed deal, $35 million. Um, signing bonus of $22 million, so good afternoon for Will Anderson Jr. And he's a Texan. That's great. It's great news. Now, CJ's got to get in a fold from a signing perspective, and I think that's it. I think those are the only two that haven't signed, um, if I've been following it correctly. I think everybody else is in, in the fold, but we'll keep an eye on that. But Will Anderson signed today, and that is great news. Now, I got it. Well, he didn't sign with the Texans, actually. He was waived by the Packers, and the Texans claimed his contract, and that's Amari Rodgers. And last year against the Cowboys, he made one of the plays of the year with a touchdown off of rollout from Jeff Driscoll that was one of those what's Driscoll do oh he threw a touchdown oh my god Rogers I mean that was a crazy play at a big time and of course you know we had to talk about that with Amari Rogers and then some so let's kick it off with our guy Amari Rogers with Mark Vandermeer and myself let's go kicking off a TGI Friday edition of Texas All Access Amari Rogers joining us in studio. Great to see you, Amari. Yes, sir. All Thanks right. for having me again. We see you out there. What is it like? You're catching passes from Mills, Stroud, Keenum, new offense. You've been through a few. How do you like it? I love it, man. Uh, the offense that we have here is, is amazing. You can attack defense in so many different ways. You know, we're run first, obviously. We're going to pound the ball. You know, offensive line is doing a great job getting off the ball. You know, of course, we got DP back there toting it. So, that's going to be a plus. Um, and then we just throw it so many different ways. You know, play action, you know, quick game. You, we can bomb it downfield. And Coach Slow's doing a great job, you know, just putting the offense in, of course, and getting us uh, to understand it in, a, in an easy way. Uh, but then, you know, just putting us in great uh, positions in practice to, you know, make plays. So I'm excited for sure. Amari, how, how difficult is it to – a slant route might be – a you know, with different steps and things in one place, and it might be different here. So how's it kind of learning the nuances of what, what Bobby Sloak wants to do with this offense? You know, maybe it's maybe it's three steps, you're cutting your outside foot here, but, you know, if it's, if it's this, well, that's different than the way we used to do it. How's it kind of adapting to some of those things? Or has it been pretty pretty similar to what you've done before it's just learning new verbiage uh for sure uh so the system is kind of like green bay where i was previously yeah uh so as far as concepts and stuff it's kind of like like that so yeah. i'm kind of familiar with that um but the only thing that i've kind of had to adjust to is you know the outside foot up uh, yeah. inside the numbers right uh, and that's kind of different but you know it's, it's definitely um it's definitely easy to adjust to you know being a receiver you got to be able to adjust to little things like that 
um, and taking on the fly. So it's not really been a lot of adjustments. You know, I'm thankful for, to be able to have been in a system like this yeah. um, in Green Bay. Uh, it's, it's helped me uh, learn the offense. Uh, but, you know, he's doing a great job, you know, helping us uh, understand it and, and go out there and play fast. So. You know, I hearken back to the touchdown reception against Dallas last year, which was just such a thrilling moment. For I sure. mean, do you look back on that as the highlight of the year? I know it wasn't a good year, but that was a great play for you. No, for sure. Definitely for me, it was definitely a confidence booster, you know, coming from where I came from and just being able to do, to do that against the Dallas Cowboys, who had a great defense last year. Uh, it was definitely a confidence booster, and, and it definitely helped me finish the season strong for sure. As you go into this OTAs, I mean, obviously you weren't here last year for OTAs, but you kind of know where everything is. You kind of feel comfortable. I mean, obviously the coaching staff has changed, but there are a lot of familiar faces. Mm -hmm. How much does that help you going into to year two with the Texans? The fact that you've, you do know those things. You're mm -hmm. not just walking in, you know, almost like a rookie in some sense going, man, where is everything? Where do I go? Right. How do I kind of figure this out? I mean, you had to do that during the season, which is hard enough. Right, right. But now you kind of got that under your belt as you go through OTAs. How's that kind of been for you? Oh, it's been good. You know, that's kind of why I wanted to stay here and, and train here uh, in the offseason. So I, I've kind of been here the whole offseason just yep. training with our, tra our training staff and, and our um and our weight room staff and just building that camaraderie with our staff and just building those relationships so that when, you know, the season came and training camp, uh, training camp came, um, I was I was just here and I was comfortable. Um, so that's really why I did that. And it's, it's really been great for me uh just now in OTA just being able to be comfortable in my shoes and where I'm at just go out there and play ball without having to think about those yep. external things so it definitely helped for sure what so, are you seeing from Stroud so far I mean, uh, it's early on yeah. but early returns what do you think uh very confident man he, he's very confident he, he knows what he can do uh and he knows what where he can put the ball he knows that he's a great player and you know that's something that you want to see you want to see a confident quarterback out there that 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 talks to the guys that you know when we're having a bad day you know he's he's bringing this up and he's already being that that kind of leader for the offense and you know it's good seeing that as such a young you know as a rookie mm -hmm. uh so that's amazing to see uh, he's and he's growing every single week. Uh, he's getting better and better. You know, I'm just excited to see you know where he's going to be come you know season starting. Well, you've seen some good ones. You've seen some <laughs> great ones <laughs> for and sure. And you played with a great one who unfortunately now lives in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Did you did you foresee this happening with Trevor Lawrence being the guy that he has become? Because somebody in this room wasn't quite sure about Trevor when he was coming out of Clemson. Uh, Were you uh, sure that he was going to become <laughs> this guy at some point? Oh, for sure. No doubt. I, I knew uh, the way he came into Clemson, uh, literally he from day one. You know, you all saw in the Texas A&M game, his first yeah. game, how he, how he threw that touchdown to T yeah. uh, like it was nothing on his first drive. Mm -hmm. And that's just how he came into Clemson. You know, he came in confident. He knew. He was that guy, yep. and, you know, from day one, he, he played like that. And I knew he was going to battle some adversity, you know, being in Jacksonville, you know, I had to rebuild a little sure. bit, a couple years, but I knew he was going to get through it. And if they put the right pieces around him, mm -hmm. he was going to be successful. So, you know, it's, a, it's great seeing him uh, do what he's doing, him and Travis, too. Yeah. What about Aaron in New York with the Jets? How's that going to work out? He was at the Tony Awards this week, too. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be a good fit for him, especially him having the guys around him that, you know, he wanted from Green Bay. I think that's going to be good. And they have a lot of young guys, too, that, that's balling, you know, especially on the defensive side. So they have, they have a team, man. They, they have a good team. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they what they can do this year. You watch Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso? Do you watch it? It's on Apple TV. It's on Apple TV with oh, Jason Sudeikis. The soccer, no, the soccer show. Oh no. Nah. Okay. Well, there's a character on that show that we have taken to call Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. It's a long really? explanation. It's a long right explanation. Now. If Never you mind. saw Ted Lasso, you, you you would know. Okay. Got some either ors for you. All right. All right. These are pretty simple. It's pick a new professional sport: soccer or baseball. Baseball. Okay. <sighs> you can just, staying. 
Wait, you want to rethink that? Somebody just got a four-year, six hundred fifty million contract in oh, soccer. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, Benzema. Yeah, and it's Saudi. Yeah. And Messi turned down one billion. Yeah. Good grief, <laughs> soccer. Oh man. <laughs> That's it's yeah, it's, it's a long it, season. It, yeah. Long season, true, you true. make it 200 million a year. <laughs> All right. Um, you can star in a remake of a great movie, either good for you're the star, Goodfellas or Scarface. Scarface, okay. So, you've seen have you seen Goodfellas? I'm not familiar Maybe with not. Goodfellas. Okay. You right. might have seen it, but All you've right. seen Scarface yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Goodfellas is a good one. All right, you guys did a team activity the other day, you went bowling. So the one team activity. Now, Scott Quesenberry added one in there. Either bowling or go-karts or paintball. Ooh, paintball. Without okay. a doubt. Paintball, okay. without a doubt. All, All right. right. Uh, here's the one that's uh, kind of stopped a few people, but I'll ask anyways. In May, we had two concerts in this building. If you had free tickets to go to either one, would it be Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran? I would probably do uh, Taylor Swift just because of how popular she is and okay. just the environment that she has at her concerts. It's nuts. Yeah, but I listen to Ed Sheeran more, but I would probably want to see Taylor Swift. I heard concert. she's great in concert. Right. I mean, yeah. I heard she's great, but for but sure. I made the mistake of watching one Instagram video, and now it's like my phone is just <laughs> yeah. flooded. They think yeah, I'm, a, yeah. That's I'm, how I'm, I'm a 14 year old girl or something. I don't know. Yeah. Amari, thanks a lot for being with us. Good thanks luck. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. That man's invited to the studio anytime. He is smooth and fun to talk to. Big smile. Loves being a Texan. Loves being here. And I think he, training camp for him is, is going to be a big one. I mean, he's going to have an oppor- he's going to have opportunities. And if you think about guys that are fighting for spots, fighting for playing time, fighting for a, a number two role, fighting for a backup role, fighting for a starting role, whatever it might be, you got all these training camp practices. You got three preseason games. You've got four joint practices where you're going to get a ton of reps uh, against a different color jersey, and that's going to be very, very cool. And Mario Rogers hopefully is going to take advantage of that. All right, coming up, we got a guy joining us next that he's never been on Texans radio, never really had an opportunity to talk to him. Got in a building, I think, in January. When he left the studio, Mark and I looked at each other like, boy, we like this guy. Who is it? Well, you'll find out next right here on Texans All Access. Love being a Friday right here in Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Drew Doherty and I talked about this a little bit. I don't know why. I think it's on my TV screen in front of me, but watching a few of the highlights of last night's College World Series baseball. Yeah, baseball. He's almost played baseball in college, Air Force Academy, but uh, decided, and actually would have played for Paul Mineri, who ended up being the LSU baseball coach. He was the Air Force coach way back in the day, but decided to go football. Because I love football and love more than that. But I was watching the LSU game last night. Man, it was one of, that's the best 0-0 game I think I've ever seen until Tommy the Tank, Tommy Tanks White hit a two-run bomb for LSU. That was a fun baseball game. Uh, and now LSU and Florida will play for the national championship this weekend. Uh, but that was fun to watch. Now, a guy that was fun to watch in training camp was a guy that we really didn't have eyes on for a while. He played at Toledo. He's from New Jersey. Kadar Holman. Walked in studio, and I remember when they gave us the – well, Mark gave us the list, gave me the list of who we were interviewing. I'm like, oh, Kadar Holman, okay. I'm about to work on that one. I don't really know a lot about him. But, man, we had a blast talking to him, learning his story, just letting him talk ball, talking ball with each other. I mean, it was really, really fun. Kadar Holman, good size, big chip on his shoulder, and, you know, for good reason. The guy's kind of kind of been around. He's seen some things. Had a great start to his career with Green Bay, and he's kind of – Bounced around a little bit. He'll have an opportunity at training camp. There's no doubt about that. And 
with Steven Nelson, as John McClain pointed out last night, not participating in OTAs, it opened the door for guys like Kadar Holman uh, to step up, Kobe Francis to step up and get some reps against the ones and twos. So Kadar Holman, really fun interview that we had with him, and it's right now. Kadar Holman joining us on Texans Radio. Kadar, how's it going? Welcome back to the Texans. Good to be back. Good to be back. All right, so you were with us in 2021 mm-hmm. and since then have been with a lot of different teams. Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of stops. Do you not unpack the bag? <laughs> How do you handle this? Because here you are carving out your career in the NFL, and it's a process, right, going to different teams and finding out what the perfect fit is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, in the beginning of my career, I was set. And then when I got traded, that was kind of like of like a course where it's still going, you know, where I've just been mm-hmm. moving around and, you know, learning learning, learning a lot of new things about the business, you know, just uh, being a sponge uh, in, in this in this uh, field, in this football career. But, like, I just feel like it's all, all together it made me a better player. And mm-hmm. I feel like I was meant to come back here. So uh, hopefully my, my career traveling, it ends right here. Hopefully you're right. And I, and I hope you're right. But now that you're back here, I want to say differences between 2021 and 2023 because we've only got a few minutes with you, not a whole day. But being back here in 2023, how different defensive scheme, how different is it when you go from a different team, kind of learning new verbiage, new language? I know a lot of things are the same. Hey, you know, it's cover three, cover four, you know. But teams have little tweaks and things that they do differently within those different coverages. Yeah. So how different is it being back here a couple of years after the fact? Uh, this is oh, it's like a to- total difference just from the tight like like the the scheme that when I first got here, um, under uh, Lovey mm-hmm. to um, where I'm at now here is just like a one was like um a real all 100% zone right, and then now it's like a mixture, but it's like a a zone but like a way more aggressive zone right. So I just feel like. Maybe um, when I first got here, that defense was more so like you had to um, know more and um, more verbiage because stuff could change. But now it's just more so they just want to, like, you know, pin your ears back and let you play. Right. Kadar Holman joining us. You're a bigger corner. So how does that help you against some of these receivers? And how hard is it to cover some of the smaller, really fast guys like a Tank Dell who's out there right now? I feel like just being the bigger corner – it gives you an advantage. Well, I want to say being a bigger corner that's able to have agility, speed, mm-hmm. and do all the things that uh, a smaller wide receiver might do because now you got a little bit of both. Not being uh, an overly sized big corner, but just big enough to the point where you, if uh, to the point where if you go against a regular sized receiver or a little smaller receiver, it's going you're gonna have an effect on them. So um, I feel like going against somebody like Tank. You know, um, you got to be patient. You got to be patient and you got to be real good with your feet. You, that, that's just not somebody who who you could just try to out physical at the line because he's small. You know, he he like a, a, a lightning bolt in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. So he could slip by you. Yeah, yeah. he could he could slip by you. So you, you, you want to know when to be physical and when to lay off because somebody like that could use it against you. Now, obviously, when you play the position, you've got to be very technique sound in what you do. Yeah. But there's also an art to playing the position, too. Is there not kind of, I don't want to say putting your style on it, but mm-hmm. you also have to put your style on it in some way, shape, or form. So playing corner, do you think it's more 
scientific technique or do you think it's more the art of playing the position kind of learning how you play the position i think technique bring you a far away like 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 if you got technique you don't gotta be the fastest you know what i mean it's, it's some it's some areas that you don't got to be the best in because your technique is going it's going to make you it's going it's going to bring your game to another level right and it's going to make you win a lot of battles that if you didn't have technique that wouldn't have happened you you wouldn't be able to to make that to make that one movement that you did so so uh so good if you didn't have your technique to get out that break so i feel like technique is definitely and but then also you know just also like learning the art of being a db yeah Kadar Holman joining us. You're a Texan right now. Yes, You're also a rocket, a Toledo rocket. Oh, there you go. T-O-L. So <laughs> what brought you out there to Toledo? I've been to the Glass Bowl, mm-hmm. by the way. Nice place. I mean, you know, uh, coming out of high school, I wasn't really heavily recruited. You know, just coming from, like, East Coast Jersey. Like, you ask somebody where uh, Ohio is at, they're not even going to be able to tell you which way. <laughs> like, nothing about yeah. Ohio. I thought yeah. that was a totally different – I thought that was, like, on Chicago time. Mm-hmm. But then it wasn't. So, yeah. Uh, I just felt like coming out, I wasn't heavily recruited, so I didn't have a lot of choices. Some, uh, you know, one of the coaches um, that was there at the time hit me up to, like, walk on and, and earn a scholarship. So, you know, I was with it because at the end of the day, all you could ask for is opportunity. I feel like greatness comes out of adversity. Mm-hmm. That you talk about that, like, hey, we want to invite you to be a walk-on. And I know you're thinking, oh, I'm a scholar. I'm a scholar player. And oh, for sure. I'll, how – and this sounds cliche in some sense, but I think it's true. How much of a chip on your shoulder did you have kind of going through that process to say, hey, <laughs> I can do this. You will give me a scholarship. I will get myself to the NFL. Now, those are all lofty goals. Yeah. As you know, the numbers don't always work. But is that the way you approached it? Like, watch this. I'm going to show you. Yeah, every every day. Every day. Like, sometimes I'll leave practice just, just mad. Just like, but, like, not, not specifically mad at somebody. Right. Just, you know, mad about my situation. But, of course, like, it's like the type of mad where not the negative mad that comes off on and like as like a bad teammate type of like, oh, I'm like, you know, like it's like a statement like I'm pissed for greatness. Like, right. Something, like yeah. something like that where I really just wanted to keep getting better and, and show that I shouldn't have been a walk on. Kadar, give me one thing about Jersey that you like the the brand of New Jersey that's the chip on the shoulder kind of thing, right? With yeah. the New Jersey guys. Am mm-hmm. I right about that? Nah, you're definitely right. Like, you know, coming out of Jersey, like we just always I feel like I feel like the just you got that competitive thing, that that competitive in you, that competitive grit in you that you're not gonna get everywhere. Like like mm-hmm. our mentalities is way different. Like we're gonna be in your face and we're not gonna be scared and and, and like I just feel like I mean, like a lot of places, they're not gonna be ready for that. So you know, our personalities, we're aggressive, mm-hmm. and, and we're gonna bring it. Okay, you've done you've done a really good job with these interviews, but now I'm gonna put you on the gun a little bit. Okay, how about a few either ors? Ready? All right, do it. You ready? It's pretty okay. simple. It's A or B. Okay. All right. Back in May, we had two concerts at NRG Stadium. <laughs> if you had free tickets to go to either one, would you go to either Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran? Dang, I don't even know who Ed Sheeran is. So, so that uh, must mean it's Taylor Swift. I don't, even, I don't know about her either. Wait, wait. What? All right. So, what's your favorite okay. musical artist? Who do you want to go see? I've got free tickets to see anybody anywhere in the who world. Who would it be? 
I mean, just going off by who be having good performances. Uh, you could take me to a future concert. Future. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'll go to future. Uh, one's got to go. Either Instagram or TikTok. I never, I never been a TikTok person. Like, yeah, I gotta so go. So TikTok's gotta go. It's gonna go anyway soon. Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay. The best team activity. Now I know y'all went bowling. But I'm gonna give you an option: either bowling or go karts. Oh, go karts for sure. Really? Yeah, go karts. Go karts over bowling. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, you can star in a remake of a movie, a famous movie, and you're the star. Right. Either Goodfellas or Scarface. You're going way back, John. I know way back, but I seen both. I know, I'm a, I'm I know. A movie, I'm a movie person. I know. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Scarface. Okay. All right. Oh, I like. Uh, it. You're a movie guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a movie guy. All right, we got to talk more. Okay. Right. Uh, cheat meal. I know you guys got to eat right. Oh, Lads yeah. always after you about mm-hmm. eating. Either barbecue or Tex-Mex. Barbecue. Barbecue. Okay. Barbecue. Very All nice, right. Kadar. Thanks a lot for being with us. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good one at the end. Me and Kadar, that, that had some thump to it, so that was pretty good. Man, Kadar Holman was a fun interview for sure. Now, a guy back in the day who was a very fun inter- interview was Antoine Caldwell. Bubba Caldwell played in the interior offensive line. Drew Doherty caught up with him with a little, where are they now? Well, where is Antoine Caldwell? Well, he'll be next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. Before we head into the weekend, make sure you check out the Twitter feed tomorrow wrote an article. You'll, you'll definitely love it. You will definitely love it. There's no way you won't. So make sure you check that out. Houston Texans, uh, at Houston Texans on Twitter. Check out John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. You'll love this article. Trust me. And tomorrow is key. It's about the date. And you'll, you'll get it when you see it tomorrow. But just make sure you check that out. Also, check out this. Where are they now? Antoine Caldwell, Alabama Crimson Tide, got to Texas, played on the interior offensive line. What's he doing now? Well, Drew Doherty caught up with him right here. Welcome into Where Are They Now? This one features Antoine Caldwell, slim, slender, and svelte. <laughs> Caldwell, former offensive lineman for the Texans. You're looking good, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, Drew. I really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, I appreciate that kind introduction. Well, you grew up in Bama, grew up wanting to be a running back or a quarterback for the Tide. You got to Tuscaloosa, but you're one of the best offensive linemen that school's ever had. You play four years there. And what are you doing these days and what's going on? Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm here in Houston, uh, specifically in Missouri City, right outside of Houston. And I've been in the energy business now for about six years. So uh, specifically more natural gas sales in, in, here in town and Man, it's been great. It's been great. Uh, you know, no complaints. Got uh, married, got two little girls. So my hands are full most most days, but man, life is good. That's great to hear, man. What have you thought recently about the hiring of your former teammate, both in college and with the Texans, D'Amico Ryans? I imagine you were not surprised by it that he could be a head coach, but what did you think of it? And it's it's incredible. Like honestly, all the all the cliche buzzwords you can throw out, they all they all hit home. You know, everybody knows D'Amico obviously as a great player, but you know, just been knowing D'Amico just as a man. I don't know if I can recall a more consistent man and person than D'Amico. I mean, unbelievable leader, unbelievable presence, and and I think everybody that knows D'Amico, everybody says the same thing. So you know, it's a it's an incredible hire to get him back here in Houston, and I'm very proud for him and his family. 
Yeah, you know, I interviewed him before that Cotton Bowl game back in 06, late 05, early 06. And then I worked here for the Texans his last three years here as a player and saw him up close a little bit more. It's it's kind of like I mentioned a moment ago. It's not surprising that he is the head coach, yet it's stunning that he's the head coach here. I, I thought it was too good to be true, really. Right. You kind of along those same lines? I, I guess I'll say yes and no. I just, I think that the, it was clear that he was going to be a head coach. I yeah. think, like you said, everybody that kind of knew him, you know, it was kind of one of those things. If he wanted to be a head coach, he would be at some point. Um, but do, I do think it is, it's kind of surreal, you know, it's kind of storybook to come back to your team that drafted you and where you kind of were homegrown. And that part of it is just, again, it's just amazing to kind of see. So I know he is fired up about it. I know he was fired up about it. And, you know, it's just it's great to see it kind of go the right way. Tell me about your career at Alabama. You started so many games there. You were an All-American your final year there. Yet you played for two coaches. You played for Shula and you played for Saban. That's quite a change I don't <laughs> from who, whoever was before Nick Saban. It doesn't matter who it is. That's a big change when he comes in and takes over, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it sure is. But, you know, I think I was incredibly close with Coach Shula. Um, you know, still still keep in touch with him from time to time. And, you know, he was the one of the, the, the coach that brought me in. So I always had a great relationship with him. And, you know, it was quite the the shift, honestly, from from him to, to Nick. Not, not so much from... Uh, you know, some of the things that we were doing, you know, on the field, but just more off the field. You know, it's a lot of different, you know, things that Nick came in and he he implemented, you know, different programs and systems. And again, obviously you couldn't deny his 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 uh you know his reputation and some of the stuff that he had done in the past. So I think it was just amazing to kind of see that shift. And we were a little bit resistant, you know, early on, we're kind of like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> but then he gets in there, you know, and, and literally after the first team meeting, we just knew, like, okay, this is kind of a new sheriff in town, and, you know, it's kind of off to the races from there. You listen to Antoine Caldwell on a Where Are They Now? My man, Drew Doherty. And in their own ways, each of those two men had very deep knowledge and very deep insight about the NFL, and I'm sure that kind of melded a little bit into helping get you ready for the league, right? Absolutely. I think that is huge. I really do. I think have, having coaches that have that insight and, you know, expertise to the next level is is huge. You know, you can literally go to those guys and have those conversations where they literally will close the door and say, hey, this is what these teams are looking for, or this is what this scout is looking at. Those type of things, I think, is incredibly beneficial for players when they're getting ready to go to the next level. So I think it definitely helped me out a lot. You see some of that, like, coming to fruition with guys like Will Anderson and Henry Toto. They're the latest that played yes. for Saban. And then, you know, before that last year, Christian Harris, and we'll see about John Mechie because of all the stuff that he's having to go through. But certainly playing for Saban is going to get you a little bit extra prepared for the NFL, probably more so than playing for some other coaches, right? No doubt. And I, and I think, again, a lot of people know that about Nick. I mean, he's, he's done it all, right? But it's, it's like I said, it's his reputation. It's his credibility when he says, hey, I've been at the next level. I know what to look for. Uh, these are the things specifically I'd like for you to improve on. You know, and that's what Nick's always been about is, hey, steady, small improvements daily. And, you know, to be able to have like a, you know, a real goal to kind of scratch off every day or every month or every off season is, is huge. And that's what he kind of implemented when he came to Alabama for us. Take me back to draft weekend, 2009. You're hoping to get your name called. What was it like? Set the story for us and then tell us what happened once the call came in. Well, you know, I, I had 
and didn't really have a lot of like meetings with a lot of teams. So I heard a lot of different players that I was close with. They're like, hey, I met with so-and-so. Hey, I met with so-and-so. So I was kind of, I was kind of more like, uh, is this, does that mean something wrong that I haven't met with a lot of teams? But I uh I kind of so nerve-wracking. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, so I kind of going into it, I really didn't know what to really expect. And I kind of had kind of a range where I thought I kind of would be drafted all the way from like, you know, second to the fourth round. So I kind of didn't know where things were going. And so kind of on draft day, uh, I thought I was going to kind of go the day before, had had a call or two, and that, that didn't work out. And then the next day, I kind of was actually helped. I was more relaxed going into day two. And I was kind of like, you know what? I don't really know what's going to happen today. And uh, when the draft started, I just remember being, having all my family around. And, you know, I was actually, my phone was on the table, kind of like a movie scene. And I was getting ready to go outside and kind of just shoot some hoops, relax a little bit. Then I hear the phone ring. So immediately I wrap, I, I whip my head around, and I run over and I look at the phone. And I see an 832 area code. I'm like, <laughs> being a 334 Alabama, I'm like, I, I haven't seen this. So I look up at the screen. I'm like, Houston. Then I look down on that. I say, Houston said, oh, man, this is the Texans. <laughs> so so I picked it up. Uh, Rick was on the line and kind of, you know, the, the rest is history from there. It was a great conversation. I was super excited to be a Texan. Yeah. And you joined an offensive line that was pretty darn good. You know, it, and Gary Kubiak and that offense had really started to get going and do, do some things. And we would see that offensive line really pave the way for those 11 and 12 football teams that went to the playoffs. What was it like? When you get to town and you are in the room with a lot of those guys, because you had Dwayne Brown and Chris Myers and Wade, well, Wade Smith came later, but Eric Winston, a lot of really good players on that offensive line. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was a great, it's probably the best experience I could ever have being a rookie. Uh, and, and I don't know, a lot of people know the the late, great Alex Gibbs, but he was, he was here then. It was the, was the coach with uh, coach Ben and, I don't think as a rookie, I could have had any better leadership and better uh, guidance for kind of developing as a rookie, having Gibbs and all of his years of experience. And then, like you said, having guys like Dwayne and Chris and Eric and all those guys ended up being Pro Bowlers, you know, and then Wade came in later. And, you know, it was just a great it was a great group. You know, it was a little bit, I guess you could say, a little bit daunting when I first got here, knowing that, you know, their, their, uh, their accolades and achievements. But once I kind of got in the room with them, they, they, they made me feel like family from day one. So it was, a, it was a great group. You listen to Antoine Caldwell on Where Are They Now with Drew Doherty. You brought up Gibbs, and he was there, I think, that one year at the end, 09. He was there before, but 09, I think, was around about his last year, maybe another. Yeah. But back then when you'd go to a road game, you go through security here at NRG stadium and then you get on the bus and there were three buses for the team and then one bus for everybody else. And I was on the everybody else bus. <laughs> like every time I got on that everybody else bus and I was usually one of the first on it, Alex Gibbs was always on that everybody else bus in the very front row ahead of everyone else. Yeah. On his watch waiting to go. And it, that thing wasn't leaving for another 20, 30 minutes, but he was there wearing his loafers and his sport coat, ready to rock. You know? <laughs> Man, man, he was seriously. I, I mean, I wish I wish everybody could experience Gibbs uh, for the good and the bad because he was he was he was quite the man, quite the character. But honestly, from a pure football perspective, his knowledge and, and experience and insight on the game, I mean, it's unmatched from offensive line play. And for a lot of people that watch offensive line play nowadays, I mean, I would think half of the league runs his system that he kind of helped create back in the day. So. Uh, yeah, it was a great man. I couldn't ask for any better when I first came in. Yeah. What was your rookie year like? Take us through it because 
it was a big one for the franchise. The first time the Texans had ever been over 500. They went nine and seven that year and win that final game against the Patriots. And for a few hours, there was a chance they'd get in the playoffs, but mm. things didn't work out with some other teams. What was that year like for you? Because it was big for the organization, but you were going through your own things as a professional for the very first time in the NFL. That's right. And Drew, honestly, I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a longer year in my life just from preparing to, you know, get drafted and just go straight into it and then having that type of season where you're just kind of pouring everything you can into it. But it was it was so rewarding, honestly. Like you you would hear the stories of, man, we haven't had a winning season and we haven't done this and haven't done that. And to really be right on the cusp at the end of the season, like you said, and great memory, by the way, bringing all that up. It was it was great to see, honestly. And you can kind of tell that we were starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit. Guys are starting to believe. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were buying in to what, what Kubiak was doing. And, and I felt like we had kind of started to turn the corner. So it was great to be a part of. Yeah. One of the reasons you guys were so good that year was that rookie class. And they would really help out in the years to come as well. But think about the production from that class, you. At the top, you had Brian Cushing in the first round. You had Connor Barwin, who would have a double-digit sack season with the Texans and then go on to Pro Bowls elsewhere. You also had Glover Quinn. He's one of the best Lions in uh, in history. And he was really, really good here. Arian Foster didn't even get drafted, but he wound up being who he was. Tim Jameson, sure. another undrafted rookie who actually got called up before Arian did that season. But a lot of guys, and I'm leaving a few out, I'm sure, did you feel a special kinship with those guys? Do you still feel and have a special kinship with those guys? I didn't mention James Casey, Anthony Hill. They need to be mentioned too. Absolutely. I I, I really do, Drew. That's a great question. And I, I do think that that was a special group, you know, and, and uh, you asked the question before we kind of got started, kind of keeping in touch with guys, kind of all of them periodically, you know, we'll even if it's on a group chat or, you know, you run into somebody at dinner or wherever it is, you know, it's always like you kind of pick up where you left off. And I do think that was kind of a sign of how close our group was, you know, uh, uh, let alone the, the impact that some of us maybe had on the player side, but just, you know, great people, great men, everybody's family men now, and kind of seeing how everybody's kind of spread out in different places. It was just awesome to see. It's a little where are they now with Antoine Caldwell. What's your favorite memory as a Houston Texan? And that's, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of them, you know, I think, you know, I, I always, always think about the games that, that we had. You know, I think when we won, uh, we clinched the playoff berth at Cincinnati. I think that was in 2011 was a big one. Uh, I think uh, there was a game maybe in 2010. I think we played the the commanders at Washington. I remember being down like 20 in the fourth to start the fourth quarter and kind of remembering how, uh, yep, yep, and kind of remembering how Andre kind of took over that fourth quarter and how we ended up coming back to win that one and, you know, just, man, it's a lot of different memories. And I think personally for me, probably where I had the most like kind of starstruck moment, I think we were playing uh, Baltimore at Baltimore in the second round, uh, being there and, and, and kind of getting in that game and seeing like Ray Lewis and some of those guys for the first time being right across from him. It's kind of like one of those moments like, man, this is, this is insane. But then having to kind of snap back to it like, Hey, I got a job to do. Like I got to get, you know, get going. So you know, just having those type of memories and stuff that I'll, I'll never forget, and it's, it's just a great experience. I'm glad you brought that game up because that's one of the all-time dogfights in franchise history, and it was just one of those games you leave and you know like you were that close, but you'd everything was left out there. Not that it's not on other days, but goodness right. gracious, that was a 
slobber knocker. JJ Watt, he has said that's the greatest game he's ever been a part of. Wow. Even though even though the Texans didn't come out on top, but yep. take me back to that chilly day in in Baltimore in mid-January 20. Man, that that's it. Honestly, I, I could probably couldn't sum it up better. I mean, I just remember everything from the bus ride to the stadium, how crazy it was kind of going there. And then, you know, when we came out for warm-ups, kind of saying, man, it is. Yeah, it is crisp out here, but it was beautiful. Like a beautiful, there's a perfect playoff game setting, you know. And and I kind of went into that game, you know, knowing that knowing that Baltimore had a great team. Obviously, you see it on film, you knew the the background and the pedigree. But I felt going into that game, I felt that we matched up pretty well with them. And I I thought that you know we had a great week of work. I was like, you know what, we really can come in here, and I feel like we're just as good as those guys are. And, you know, as you said, it was one of the JJ says one of the best games he's you know he's been a part of. I kind of felt like that back and forth the whole game. I felt like at no point did I feel like we were a lesser team, and that's what you want in playoff games. And you know, I, I remember that being that yeah, we came up short, but you know, it's amazing to be in that in that environment. Yeah, one of the many things I remember from that game was pre pregame on the field, just looking around once once the fans were let in, cause that doesn't happen. I think until about two hours prior to kickoff yeah. and the team gets there four hours ahead or three and a half hour. But I remember, you know, it's kind of empty and there's just stadium workers doing their thing before the game, but then the fans are let in and it seemed like I blinked and just all along the first row, the entire field. I mean, the whole circle, it was all battle red. It was all Texans fans yeah. traveled or come in from wherever and cheer on the Texans on the road. It was really an eye-opening experience. I don't ever remember that, or I hadn't remembered that prior right. to that playoff game. And it was, it was really freaking cool. Do you remember that too? Is that that spark anything? Oh, for you? oh 100%. And that's kind of when I was saying the environment, I had never seen us, I guess, kind of take over like a stadium and that energy and that buzz, you know, like I said, even from, you know, right before we, we went out for warm-ups, you could just slowly start to kind of feel it and see it build. And it's kind of like, man, this is this is amazing to be a part of. And, yeah, I remember like you do, Drew, it was crazy to see, you know, all the fans and all the support that we had. And, and I think that probably played in a little bit to how well we played, even though we came short. Yeah, no doubt. So who do you still keep in touch with and talk, talk with uh, from those days? Man, you know, a lot of guys, just mainly through text, but, you know, and obviously, the D'Amico, uh, uh, Dwayne, um, and a lot of guys. Oh, this is interesting. I actually, I'm a huge fantasy football fan. <laughs> and I started a fantasy football league with all of us former guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you got, you know, like Eric Winston, Arian, Wade. Wait, uh, wait, wait. wait did you, what did you just say? What name did you just slide in there? Yeah, Eric Winston, Arian. Hey, yeah. Arian Foster. Foster, yes, yes. Big about cracking on fantasy football when he was a player. I love that. It's deli- I've heard it from, I think Wade let me in and, and told me about this a few years back. And I was like, what? Was- we are right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's times, times have changed and I actually didn't even have to strong on him. He like <laughs> actually wanted to do it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, so we've got a couple, you know, we've got about 10 or 12 guys in the league and, and honestly, we just kind of, you know, stay in touch on that and kind of, you know, go back and forth. So it's just, it's great. It's great to kind of see where everybody is. That's fun. It's cool that y'all keep in touch. It was a special time in team history, if you think about it, franchise history. It was. It was. And I and, and again, I think, you know, every time you pick up where you left off with those guys, you know, you like say you see them out or you're talking over text or whatever, man. It's just always been the same thing. So it's it's great. 
Hey, now you're an offensive lineman, but you were on the offense with Andre Johnson. And one thing that I do when I talk to all of you guys, because I do this, I try to do this on a weekly basis, is where are they now podcast. I know it, you know it. Most of the people that are listening or watching this know it, but there's some dummies out there that don't. Why does Andre Johnson belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? What's your reasoning for it? Well, I, I'll go back to when I first came to the Texans. I remember uh, during like conditioning and like training camp, just little stuff like, I'm like, oh, obviously, I'm like, this is Andre Johnson. You hear about him. But watching him work, even I think at that point it was like year like nine or 10, which, you know, he was solidified, right? He didn't have to do all that. But he'd go run a go route and he'd sprint back, you know, right afterwards and get right back up and go. I had never seen a player of his stature still work as hard as he did. So from a pure like work perspective, I would say that. But then you look at the production and the performance and everything he put on the field. I mean, it's like it's almost a no brainer. I don't know how it hadn't happened yet, but. You know, I think, you know, we keep the faith and I think he'll, I think he'll end up getting over the hump. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's uh, that's one of the things when I started what that was a common refrain from young players, experienced players is how hard he worked in the off season, how hard he worked in the weight room, how hard he worked, just basically what you didn't see on game day, you know, all that stuff that he was doing beforehand is one of the reasons he was so excellent on game day. It, it was, and you know, it would literally, I'd be times in the weight room. I'm just like, I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. I'm just watching him. We might not even be doing the same lifts or exercises, but everything he, he did was so intentional. Like he, he had a purpose. Like he knew he was in there to, to, to handle his business. And he showed me kind of early on what kind of work ethic is needed to be successful in the, in the league. And, you know, and I still, you know, I'll tell anybody, you know, I was like, you know, it's a couple guys I can think of when I was playing that those had that type of effect on people. Andre is definitely one of those guys. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And a big thanks to Antoine Caldwell and Drew Doherty. That where are they now? It was absolutely awesome. A big thanks to Kadar Holman and to Amari Rogers. And of course, Mark Vandermeer, who will be back on Monday. So the gang will be back together then. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.